So service means a lot of different things to different people. In the Detroit that we live in today, the question becomes, who are we serving? Who's benefiting from the service? And, and why are we serving this community or not? The or not is a big part of the <laughs> debate that happens often in our city. Who deserves a good education? What community uh, has the right to good transportation? You know, when you're 15, you have to get to a school that's 20 minutes away or half hour away for that matter. Some of my students I've mentored in different schools were taking two buses to school in the heart of winter, right? And so service becomes something that if you grow up here, you immediately know that there is somebody that needs you. No one grows up here thinking it's just about their one voice. And silence, you know, I think about silence a lot. I've written about it and, and silence is definitely a sound. Silence is a very heavy sound. And this is not a time at all in this country, in the world, for silence. And so Detroit needs to stay as noisy as possible so we can serve the community that needs to be served on a bigger level. This is Intersections Detroit, Resilience and Hustle from the Heart of the D, Chapter 6, Serve. raises you to constantly speak up, to constantly speak out when there's injustice. Being silent is not an option. Things that I remember as a child when people say, oh, what did it feel like growing up in Southwest Detroit? I said, if you walk through any neighborhood, you saw these beautiful murals. And when I was finally, I think, a teenager, I got to paint one of those murals and under these viaducts where it showed strength of immigrants. I remember this large brown hand picking corn and showing this um, the roots of coming from a farming community. And, and I know that referenced so much of my Latino neighbors. And every corner was a reminder from the Vidac that I went under growing up, knowing that's where workers died that were trying to unionize at Ford Motor Company and try to create the United Auto Workers, the UAW, we call Eagle Pass. 
I remember learning so much. Every corner, you know, being a reminder of the labor rights movement, the civil rights movement, and the murals, making sure we're reminded of where we came from and our roots, all of that. My name is Rashida Talib. I am a daughter of Palestinian immigrants, a mother of two boys, an activist, and a Detroiter. One of the really critical moments in my life, I think it was when I was seven years old, and my mother, I think, brought the sixth child home. <laughs> and I remember at that moment understanding my role because my mother still didn't speak or write English very well. And I became very much the parentified child, the child that was the third parent in the house, that translated everything, that took care of my brothers and sisters. So much of that has shaped the kind of person that I am now. Being a Palestinian, knowing all the upheaval and the constant stories I was hearing from my grandparents in Palestine when I visited, and then coming home to the struggle of my black neighbors, you know, especially in Detroit, hearing about not only the 67 rebellion and what led to the 67 rebellion and how that was the same year that we had the 67 war in Palestine and how the different results where some were able to get equality, at least as close as they could. And then in Palestine, there's this uh, segregation that was happening where people were divided more, where in Detroit, it was about bringing the communities together and about having neighborhoods be more integrated, people working together from more African-Americans on the police force, having more African-Americans in political leadership. Uh, you, you kind of saw the different effects that happened uh, after the 67 rebellion and then the 67 war in Palestine. My influence is very much being a child of Palestinian immigrants, but also being in a community that's predominantly black and Latino and white. I mean, I grew up in, as an Arab in one of the blackest cities in the United States. And some of the struggles that I see my black neighbors going through now is very much feeding into this activism work. Sometimes we feel like we don't deserve better. And we feel like, well, that's just the way it is. But I, I hope that with my service and saying, okay, we, we deserve better than what we have now, instead of settling, that my residents in Detroit feel like their self-worth is so much stronger. Something that is driving me to work harder, but I also feel the sense of responsibility that the community that raised me, the community that shaped who I am today, that they deserve me never selling them out and being strong for them. People say so many things about my city and they try to box it in a certain type of city or to certain areas, but one of the things that is the biggest asset or the things that people don't understand is we have incredible people. You will never find any person around this country that doesn't have this much strength and resilience. You knock us down, we get back up over and over again. If it's not us, it's our next generation of young people that get up and fight back and say we deserve better.
As a young child, my nickname was Mouth Almighty. <laughs> and I think that is still a very accurate description of me. I was always willing to talk and get to know people. And my favorite question was why, but why? Hi, I'm Krista Bernard, and I'm a proud social justice warrior. The Boys and Girls Club taught me a sense of community, a sense of community struggle. Because in society, we're looked at as a collective, we almost have to function as a collective. And when I say we, I mean people of color in particular. And so being in a space where we're all homogenous in race, but individually different, it opened my eyes to so much perspective. And knowledge of self, knowledge of community, knowledge of society, it proved to me what being black or a black child in America was before society could define it for me. It taught me that we don't all fit in a box, and in fact, that box is created in somebody else's image, and we don't have to accept that. It makes me feel an extreme sense of gratitude, but also an extreme passion to educate others of color or maybe not of color on on what the racial dynamics really are. What is being black? How do we define it? Putting the power back into the people who are powerless essentially it has pushed me to be an educator and not in an academic way, but in an everyday, communal, local, face-to-face, -face, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder type of way. And without that motive and without that drive, I'm not sure how I would be or where I would be. What would happen if we gave 
of people who are so creative and so adept at just survival, the actual resources to thrive, thrive. parents bought me a memory book probably when I was in kindergarten or first grade and it's, it's a cute little book where it's like what's your favorite color who's your best friend who's your favorite teacher and what do you want to be when you grow up and from a very early age I would write president and lawyer 2008 I started my career as a lawyer it was September of that year two weeks before the recession hit so after a while I, I began to realize that most of our clients were wealthy older white men in a city that's 85% African-American. So as I was thinking about the point at which I would probably depart the firm, that sense of I'm helping the wrong group began to, to, to deepen for me. It's like I, I'm building the skill in a black city, but I don't feel that I'm having the positive impact on black people. And after talking to community members, after talking to a lot of my mentors who are in the community development space, I decided that I would start an organization to actually impact development in the city. So it's called Building Community Value. And we teach Detroiters how to do real estate development in their neighborhoods. And we also help community development organizations do commercial development on corridors. The same things that we're facing, Baltimore is facing, Memphis is facing, New Orleans is facing. It's questioning the way that we built the system and whether the work that I'm doing now can actually have the impact to change the system or whether we're just spinning our wheels. If we gave a people who are so creative and so adept at just survival the actual resources to thrive, I think that we would create a place that doesn't currently exist in the United States. I think Detroit could be that kind of breakthrough urban place. And although we're seeing a lot of rapid evolution in our downtown and midtown, the city is so large that we still have the opportunity to make that kind of Detroit possible. My name is Chase Cantrell. I'm a proud native Detroiter and a city builder that's trying to preserve black space here in Detroit. There's something called Sankofa that has to do with looking back to look forward. That value of giving back in Afrocentric value systems, in some ways we apply it to having a historical perspective, but the, the other way to apply it is to your service, that you give back first to your community, to your village, before you can look forward to other things.
When I was young, my grandmother went from a neighborhood den mother for the Cub Scouts to being a state rep for many, many years in the city. She went to a community meeting. She wasn't very impressed with the current elected officials and felt like she could do it and ran for office. That has influenced the things that make me good at campaigning. The activism came from the day-to-day at the nonprofit and understanding what the programs were, what the work was, what it was to work for drug-free youth and to send a mailing and make these phone calls and things like that. The values that I carry around community are really what brought me back and it's a lot of what drives me in my work here in Detroit. I've lived in Chicago, I've lived in Los Angeles, and in both those places, I really felt more like I was learning about things that worked there and kind of figuring out what I wanted to bring back home. It it didn't feel right to take my energy towards organizing and community development to other cities when my city was in such great need. I'm really concerned about bringing people into the fold, about wrapping our arms around people who are on the fringe. So to to me, it's all about figuring out how we can come together and speak a common language towards a greater good. My name is Misha Stallworth. I, I work on the school board and I am a village baby. Growing up with a deaf mother really showed me how important it was to support others, those who may not necessarily be able to speak for themselves, those who may not necessarily be able to convey the message in the way that other people will understand. Early on, my parents chose to send me to private school, and all the while, we didn't have heat in our home. We had a kerosene heater, which is something I'll always remember because it reminds me of my beginnings. 
this is a sacrifice I saw my mom make early on, and it really showed me the importance of education in, in my parents' eyes. The fact that they were doing this explains why I'm so uh, passionate about giving back. My name is Shannon Smith. I'm a Detroit banker. I focus on philanthropic investments to nonprofits uh, that focus on social services in Detroit. In this city, a lot of people's experiences or their realities were similar to my realities when I was growing up. I speak from that perspective and not the perspective that I'm currently at because the majority of our Detroiters are still um, speaking from the perspective of living in poverty. I'd be remiss to not mention that, but I also, I'd be foolish to not bring that voice to the table because if we're talking about equitable growth, then how do we support um, you know, the equity of those populations if they're not at the table telling us their day-to-day -day challenges? I can't just offer up a solution because I read it in a book. I have to hear from those people who are actually dealing with it on a day-to-day. So instead of just being at the table by myself and representing a past that I've come from, it's acknowledging that everyone has a different experience, making sure that we spread that opportunity, making sure that we include those who don't feel like they are included in society, bringing light to situations that are dark, bringing light to issues that people may not want to speak about, such as race, such as economics, the education, or the lack thereof in all of those areas. Being comfortable with having the conversation, but also being comfortable with um, identifying those people who need to be at the table or speaking up for the people who are not at the table yet. You know, respecting those Detroiters that for years put the city on their back in the times of decline, stood tall and smiled through it all, that are necessarily being heard now and making sure that we don't ever forget them. Mm-hmm.
My name is Aisha Ghazi. I'm an Asian American civil rights activist who lives and works in Detroit. That's two. I mean, I didn't number them, but that, that's two of the big ones. From seeing global poverty in India to growing up in a family that was reconstituted and seeing the strife that existed between two different religions really made me passionate about both understanding why people discriminate and hate each other and what we can do to end it and build bridges. I try to help make voices louder and make issues heard. In my work, I really strive to not only advocate on behalf of Asian Americans who have been discriminated against, but also enlighten and expose Asian Americans to the discrimination that's happening to other populations, to helping them realize that if we do not work with Black Lives Matter, if we don't work with the Latino population who is being persecuted by ICE, by immigration officials, we will not get anywhere in our own journey of advocacy. The values that bring us all together is understanding the strength and uniqueness that exists in our diversity. That we exist as a kaleidoscope of different people, different stratas of society, but together when we have different people in the room, we come up with better solutions and better ideas. Detroit raises you to speak up, speak out when there's injustice. You knock us down, we get back up, fight back, and say we deserve better. Intersections Detroit is produced by LaToya Cross in the D for the Human Atlas and Rethink Audio. The executive producer and sound designer is Sarah Miles. Original music by Brian Eno, Ife Bess, and Marcus Elliott. Concept and interviews conducted by Marcus Lyon and his Human Atlas team. That's Camilla Pastorelli and Joe Briggs-Price. Support for Intersections and the Human Atlas comes from the Kresge Foundation, working to expand opportunities in America's cities through grant-making and social investing. For more information, go to kresge.org. 
Special thanks to all iDetroiters, the people of our city. Your resilience, fire, and voice is what makes this work possible. My name is Jessica Care Moore. See you back here next week when you follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find great stories. Peace.